1: online at kfuo.org. And welcome to Concord Matters, the show where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, Christ-confessing concordians confer with the Book of Concord to conform what we believe, teach and confess according to scripture and our Lutheran Confession of the Faith. On today's special episode for KFUO Radio Shareathon 2021, we are going to discuss how to use the Lutheran Confessions devotionally. I'm your host, Pastor Sean Smith, Pastor of the Evangelical Lutheran Dole Parish of Emanuel West Point and St. Paul's Wine Hill in Southern Illinois. And my companion confessors in conversation about this matter today will be Pastor Matt Harrison, President of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, Pastor Mark Bestel, Pastor of Calvary Lutheran Church in Elgin, Illinois, and Mr. Tim Matheny, a layman and member of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Englewood, Florida. But before we get to my guests, I want to start with a quote that sets the tone for today's episode in encouraging the devotional use of the Book of Concord. And this quote comes from the first president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, the Reverend Dr. Carl Ferdinand Wilhelm Walther, or CFW Walther as he is often called more briefly. Pastor Walther once said, The Book of Concord should be in every Lutheran home. If a person isn't familiar with this book, he'll think, that old book is just for pastors. I don't have to preach. After working all day, I can't sit down and study in the evening. If I read my morning and evening devotions, that's enough. No, that is not enough. The Lord doesn't want us to remain children blown to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Instead of that, he wants us to grow in knowledge so that we can teach others. Thus far, Walter. Now, no Christian would object to the assertion that we need to make time for regular scripture study, but if we say the same about the confessions, it often raises all kinds of objections. Like Walther brought out, people will say, that's just for pastors, or I barely have time for Bible reading, or I believe the Bible and isn't that enough? But there are other objections as well. That's too difficult for me to understand, they'll say. Those things were written for problems 500 years ago, or simply the confessions? What's that? Today, I want to respond to these objections and, like Walther, encourage you to include regular study of the Lutheran confessions right along with scripture in your devotional life. Now, I know that presents a real challenge for a lot of us. Walther said that most people would say morning and evening devotions are enough. I think that was probably quite charitable of him to say even in his own day. But certainly in our day and age, with all the things that constantly demand our time and attention, and sure, some of them are just unnecessary distractions that we would do well to evaluate whether they should get our time or not, but setting aside time for regular study of our faith is difficult. I think most people, laity and professional church workers alike, struggle to find time even for scripture reading once a day, let alone twice. How many of us have gone to bed at night and felt like we weren't very good Christians, because we hadn't even cracked the Bible open that day. And so when we're already struggling to get daily devotions in at all, fitting in reading the Book of Concord on top of Scripture at times just feels also overwhelming and impossible, especially because the Book of Concord is a bit intimidating, as, of course, the Bible can be also. So in addition to examining why we should incorporate study of the Lutheran confessions into our devotions, I also want to provide some help for how to study the Book of Concord where to start and some practical ways to begin to include it in your devotions. Maybe some of you already do read the Book of Concord regularly. If so, great. I hope this episode affirms some of the good things you are already doing, and maybe it will even give you some new thoughts that you hadn't considered before. Maybe some of you want a resource that you can share with friends to encourage them to join you in studying the Lutheran Confessions. If so, I pray that this episode may be of some benefit to you as you encourage them. And maybe you're that friend who had this episode shared with you, or someone who has never considered devotional study of the Book of Concord before, and maybe even have some listeners here today who've never heard of the Lutheran Confessions before. If so, welcome. No matter what brought you to listen here today, I hope you'll stick around to hear from my excellent guest today for why the Lutheran Confessions are important, how you can begin to include them in your devotional study especially what great benefit they have for your Christian faith and life. Because being strengthened in our Christian faith and life really is the timeless prayer of Christendom. Reflected beautifully in the collect of the day for tomorrow in the historic one-year lectionary for the fourth Sunday of Easter, Jubilate, wherein we pray God to show those in error the light of His truth so that they may return to the way of righteousness. And grant faithfulness to all who are admitted into the fellowship of Christ Church, that they may avoid whatever is contrary to their confession and follow all such things as are pleasing to God. That's a fantastic prayer. True Christians both confess their faith and live it out in their lives. So we ask God to keep us from doing anything contrary to our confession, so that our words and our lives together may please God and attest to His salvation. And really, this is the constant prayer of the church and of all Christians. Luther also teaches us in the small catechism when we pray in the second petition of the Lord's Prayer for God's kingdom to come. Our prayer is answered when the word of God is taught in its truth and purity. And we as the children of God also lead godly lives according to it. Help us to do this, dear Father in heaven. That is why we hold the Book of Concord in such high esteem because we see that it unfolds for us, the pure truths of God's word, which strengthen us in faith and lead us in the paths of godly living. And during this share is worth noting that this is the same reason we ask you to support KFUO Radio, because it really does deliver the life-giving truths of scripture as we promise Christ for you anytime, anywhere. That's what we do in all of our Christ-confessing content here on KFUO Radio, and that's certainly the aim and goal of this show, Concord Matters. And so as we look forward to hearing from our special guests here today, please consider making a pledge of your support to KFUO Radio. You can donate by calling 1-800-730-2727, or you can also text KFUO to the number 41444 to make a donation. And to encourage you in the study of the Book of Concord, Thanks to a generous donor, a layman in fact, who just wants to encourage other laymen to be better educated Christians in their Christian faith so that they may confess it faithfully and teach it. We have 15 Concordia the Lutheran Confessions, a reader's edition of the Book of Concord, that we would like to share with you. Of course, the reader's edition is the edition that we use here on this show also. So when you call in to support the Christ-confessing content of KFUO Radio today during this show— As a thank you, we will be glad to send you a reader's edition of the Book of Concord from Concordia Publishing House that you can use or share with a friend and get them to read and study the Lutheran Confessions with you. Also, by calling during this show, you will be entered into drawings for a beautiful leather-bound edition of the reader's edition of the Book of Concord from CPH or a beautiful reproduction of the title page of the original German edition of the Book of Concord of 1580 from Ad Crusum. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break here. Remember, you can call 1-800-730-2727, or you can text KFUO to the number 41444 and make your pledge to share When we come back, we will have the honor to speak with Pastor Matt Harrison, President of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and hear his encouragement for the importance and benefits of studying the Lutheran Confessions. and You won't want to miss that. So we'll be right back with you in just a minute. You're listening to Concord Matters on KFUO. Welcome back to Concord Matters as we continue this special KFUO share episode talking about how the Lutheran confessions can be used devotionally. And it's a real honor to welcome the Reverend Dr. Matt Harrison. He is president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and a bold and excellent confessor of the faith. President Harrison, welcome to Concord Matters.
0: What a pleasure. Thank
1: you. Yes. And so you, like our first synodical president, and the quote that I read in the first segment of today's show have often encouraged the regular study of scripture and the confessions. As a matter of fact, I remember in 2018 at the Southern Illinois District Convention where I serve, you showed up and in your very President Harrison kind of way, you pounded on the podium with your large hand and used your booming voice and said, we need to get back to reading the confessions. We need to regularly study scripture and the confessions. And that's what this show, of course, seeks to do. So help us then to make the case for the importance of reading and studying the Lutheran confessions in addition to Scripture. And go ahead and start with, why do our pastors and church workers need to study the confessions? Well, I can think of a number of reasons, but our pastors and church workers swear to uphold
0: the teachings of the confession. And you can't uphold the confession or practice according to that confession if you have no idea what it actually confesses. So it's just... uh, point of clear reason that if the confession is real, it has to be something that is actually known. And it's a considerable book. You know, most editions are five, six hundred pages of the confessions. Although you've got this wonderful little mini-me book of Concord here that CPH produced, which, you know, they started with a paperback here, and I got my little paperback bound in leather in India. And Kintz over at CPH saw that, and then he started putting out this uh, lovely little uh, gold-rimmed one, so put me out of business. But just uh, our pastors have to know what it is. Secondarily, the words of our confession are just very, very clear. And for us to teach, to be able to explain the faith to somebody, it's just a tremendous help to be able to say clearly, our churches teach that people cannot be justified before God by their own strengths, merits, or work people are freely justified for Christ's sake through faith when they believe that they are received into favor and that their sins are forgiven for Christ's sake. By his death, Christ made satisfaction for our sins. God counts this faith for righteousness in his sight, Romans 3 and 4. That's the heart of the faith. It's so utterly clear. And it's a wonderful, forgiving, freeing message that runs through the entire Book of Concord. So, I would say just clarity of teaching. You know, if you've got contemporary issues, for instance, we always deal with Reformed Christians or non-Christians, always think that salvation is somehow a matter of their will, their decision, their works. Just read Formula of Concord Article 2 in the Epitome or Summary or in the longer version in the Solid Declaration it gives you all the Bible passages that say people can't decide for Christ. We are dead in our trespasses and sin. The unspiritual man does not receive things of the Spirit, for they are spiritually discerned, Paul says. It just runs through the biblical witness. I can't tell you how people who are searching for answers to these challenging questions or how to present them to friends and relatives rave after reading these sections. They're so clear.
1: Absolutely. A uh, hearty amen to that. And I brought up on this show before many times, there are three books that I try to read every year. And a, and a large part of this, I actually got from you and your various talks and so forth. It's the Bible, of course, the Lutheran confessions and Walther's law and gospel. Wow. And I can't tell you just what you said there, how often every year when I go through the book of Concord, it just, it reinvigorates my preaching and everything. It just centers me back on that central message of our Christian faith. Now, as I said in the first segment in setting this show up, I think a lot of people would agree and would acknowledge, of course, pastors need to be reading the confessions and other church workers. Of course, as you said, you know, we promise all of our preaching and teaching will be in accord with that. But why would you say that, like CFW Walther said, and yourself have often said as well, I, again, I remember at the SID convention in 2018, you emphasized not just pastors, but laity also should read the confessions. Why should laity read the Confessions?
0: Well, number one, parts of the Confessions were directed specifically toward the laity, the small catechism and the large catechism. Number two, Confessions were set forth overwhelmingly by the laity. The uh, princes, lay princes, and leaders of various cities and states in the German Empire. This was a lay action. It was sponsored by Duke August of Saxony, a layman. So it was a lay effort, number one. Number two, the church consists of pastors and hearers. And in those cases where pastors are running the show completely without the checks and balances of laity who know the scriptures, you end up with a mess. So it's precisely for the well-being of the church. You know, our pastors are trained in the scriptures and the confessions and have a good education. But how many is the time that some pastor following some crazy idea of a new prof or a new teacher at a university in the history of Lutheranism, has come out with some dumb, heretical idea, denying Christ in this way and that. And basically, he hasn't been honest with his people about it, or people have said, oh, they're just teaching that in the seminary. You know, as long as we don't believe it here, that won't be a problem. We'll get another pastor. I I remember pastors in the old American Lutheran Church lamenting that church's path, once a conservative Midwestern church, into the ELCA. But I also remember hearing numerous of those old pastors say, Oh, we would never tell lay people what was actually going on in the debates in the seminary on the authority of Scripture. People need to know what exactly is being taught at the church's institutions. Those institutions belong to the lay people. Lay people can read the scriptures, and the scriptures are clear. The fundamental teachings are in the Catechism, Ten Commandments, Creed, Lord's Prayer, Baptism, Absolution, Lord's Supper. And if a pastor is going off the rails on any of those things, a lay person should call him out and say, Pastor, this doesn't seem to me to accord with the Bible or the Lutheran Confessions. Can you help me understand this? That's the job of lay people. They have a responsibility to help along with pastors to preserve the confession of the church for the next generation. And I'll certainly do that, encourage all my family and always have to do that because I want this clear confession to be alive for my grandchildren and their grandchildren.
1: So that would speak to a benefit that uh, reading the confessions then would also have for our life together in individual congregations as Christians, and as a larger church body. Would you say that there are other benefits of reading and devotionally using the confessions for our life together as a church body?
0: Yeah, think about this. You know, how many times do we hear that dumb old joke that the punchline is, shh, the Lutherans think they're the only one here about heaven. Or people say, oh, in those old days, my pastor taught only Lutherans are going to heaven. Well, you know darn well your their pastors weren't teaching that because it's a heresy. If lay people just took 15 minutes and read the preface to the Book of Concord, it says, The condemnations in the Book of Concord, the rejections of bad teaching, do not apply to the simple people who are in churches that have not yet come into agreement with us. And the confessions say repeatedly, Wherever Christ is, wherever his word is, wherever his baptism, wherever is the Lord's Supper, there is the church. So lay people will actually know the truth about this matter. To say that we are the only saving church would render Lutheranism a sect. So it's just about being informed. And secondarily, having a good conscience yourself about being justified, understanding that baptism really does bring you the benefits of Christ, that you're covered with Christ, that your conscience is clear, that sin is a constant reality, that the law is always going to accuse us, but the gospel is a daily reality of repentance and forgiveness. That's just a great way to live. That's a great way to avoid being a jerk to your spouse or your relatives. You know, if you know darn well that you're a sinner under the law and you haven't deluded yourself that you're holier than St. Paul or something or holier than Jesus, you're free to live not to expect those around you to be perfect, not to be a domineering jerk. And that's just a great way to live, isn't it?
1: It is. Absolutely. And also makes me think of another question I want to ask for you. And of course, as you serve as president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate, you're our public face to the world in a lot of way. And so very thankful for that bold and faithful witness that you have often given. And I'm very thankful for all the times in your writings and statements that you just cite the confessions in there. But I was thinking about this as I drove to interview and speak with you today that, you know, with all that's going on in the world, all the troubles, All of the concerns, all the struggles that we face as individual congregations, as a church body, and our culture, how can the confessions 500 years ago or so now, how can they benefit our witness to the world, especially today?
0: Well, the confessions have much to say about our issues today. Think, for instance, of cancel culture. I thought about this a few weeks ago when the woman who was herself a liberal, central left journalist, and she was hired by what, Teen Vogue, that's right, and 10 years earlier she had made some disparaging racist comments about Asians, I think, and said a couple other things, and she was canceled, kaboom, even after she had apologized for that years before, you know, this cancel culture has no forgiveness and no tolerance you know what we have? We have the gospel that forgives sinners their sins. You can take your cancel culture and drive it into the wall till we're all canceling everybody. The church has this message. We are for people who screw up, make mistakes, and are sinners. People often say, you know, I'm not going to go to your church. A bunch of hypocrites there. I always say, great, there's always room for one more. We know the gospel we forgive people. That's something this wretched culture is so sour about. It's turning into just this horrible prune-shaped, dried up. And describing this culture as a prune is too nice, I think. It's just drying up into bitterness and hatred. We live in forgiveness. Don't you think that's contemporary?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And tagging on what you say with, you know, there's always room for one more sinner. I I always like to say, well, you know what the good news is Jesus is for sinners. <laughs> I,
0: mean. That's, I love that statement. Luther, it was quite early, actually. I think it was about 1515. But he still knew a kind of a theology of humility, even though he didn't understand the fullness of the gospel. But he wrote to Spainline, his buddy, make sure you're not so holy that you'll have nothing to do with Christ. Christ dwells only in sinners. You better be one.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time here today. Uh, Just a short segment with you, but thank you so much for that always bold and faithful confession and for joining us today for this special share Concord Matters, and for your encouragement for using the confessions devotionally. May God continue to bless and keep you as you keep confessing for our church.
0: You too, dear brother. I appreciate your comments.
1: Thanks. That is Pastor Matt Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. And we're going to take a break here, but with his encouragement for how important the study of the Book of Concord is, when we come back, we'll talk with one of our regular Christ-confessing Concordians here on Concord Matters, Pastor Mark Bestel, and he'll talk with us about some ways in which we can make use of and benefit from the Lutheran confessions and take that next step by incorporating the Book of Concord in our devotional life. While we're at break, please consider calling 1-800-730-2727, or you can text KFUO to the number 41444 and make your pledge to Sheratham 2021. And don't forget to ask about the Reader's Edition of the Book of Concord as a thank you to the first 15 people who request a copy, and also to get your name in the drawing for either a really nice leather-bound copy of that Reader's Edition of the Book of Concord from CPH, or the beautiful reproduction of the title page of the original German edition of the Book of Concord of 1580 from Ag Crusom. We'll be right back with you shortly. You're listening to Concord Matters on KFUO. And welcome back to Concord Matters as we continue this special Sherathon episode talking about the Lutheran confessions and how to use them devotionally. And we're pleased to welcome back one of our regular guests here on Concord Matters, Pastor Mark Bestel. He is pastor of Calvary Lutheran Church in Elgin, Illinois. Pastor Bestel, great to have you back on Concord Matters.
2: Thanks for having me, Sean.
1: Absolutely. Always a pleasure to have you on. And a little bit different kind of episode today from when we've had you on other times. I set up that I wanted to do an episode where we talk about using the Book of Concord in our regular devotional life as Christians and why that is important, so we just had Pastor Harrison on to give us his encouragement as our Synodical President that, much like our first Synodical President, certainly encourages that both pastors and lady would be regularly reading and learning from the Lutheran Confessions along with Scripture, that this is important for our individual and corporate Christian faith and life in the Church. Well, I guess the logical next thing to cover then would be, how do we do that? What does that look like? And what are some ways we can incorporate the study of the Book of Concord into our devotional life? So that's where you've always been great on our show, Pastor Bestel, here as a guest to give us some very good and practical teaching for how our Lutheran confessions are of great benefit in our Christian faith and life. And so I'm going to let you just take it away here and give us your teaching For how we can make use of the Book of Concord in our devotional life.
2: Sounds good, John. I think for the Christian who sort of starts with the Book of Concord and says, hey, I just bought this great book, so excited to read it, how do I make use of it? I think it's important to first understand the layout of it. Just like you wouldn't necessarily say to the Christian who wants to read the Bible, start at Genesis 1 and read through Revelation and try to make sense of it all. You'd probably point them to easier parts first. You know, maybe the Gospel of John first or the Book of Romans or something like that, and and then make your way around until they get a little bit more acclimated. And I'd say the same thing with the Book of Concord, that we can't just open up the first page and try to slog our way through it. We're going to get sort of frustrated. So just a real quick thing on understanding the layout of the book. The easiest to pray in devotional life is going to be the small catechism, as Luther intended. And that small catechism is right sort of dead center in the middle of the book. He's got some other very helpful hints on how to pray the small catechism. If you look at his instruction to Master Peter the Barber on how to pray, he gives some examples in there uh, making use of things that you'll find in the small catechism. And in the same way, a lot of what he says, and whether it's his instruction to Master Peter the Barber or even his little prayer book written quite early so that there might be a few things in there about praying to Mary that we would have some difficulty with, but even that little prayer book already has hints of theology that come out in the small catechism and large catechism almost 10 years later. So the large catechism is also helpful in elaborating on sort of a prayerful meditation as it follows the same layout as the small catechism. And understand that a lot of the book is not going to have that same ability to, in a sense, pray it in a very personal way. The Augsburg Confession, the Apology, the small called articles. It's attached treatise on the power and primacy of the Pope, the formula of Concord. They're very doctrinal explanations we believe, and then therefore they also include very necessary refutations we reject. So while these may not be very natural to pray, they're also a very necessary part of daily devotional life because devotions aren't just prayer, but they're learning the faith, being safeguarded and deeply rooted in the faith. And these confessions are to be cherished in that regard. For example, consider what St. Paul tells Titus. In Titus chapter 2, he begins that second chapter by saying, but as you teach, make sure that you use words that are in accord with sound doctrine. And that word for sound is the Greek word from which we get the word hygiene. And no one likes bad hygiene. You know, If you walk around with bad breath or bad body odor, people are going to think, well, that stinks. In the same way, no one likes bad doctrine. You don't want your doctrine to stink. And if you want the certain comfort of eternal life, you can't have doctrine that stinks. And so the Christian in and for daily life wants good hygiene in doctrine. And that's one of the reasons he should cherish the Book of Concord. And so, knowing that brief intro to the layout, some of it's going to be prayable, and others of it is going to be to make sure that our doctrine doesn't stink. Then, how do we make use of it? Going through the different family members. Even from the youngest of ages, a little child from the age of two, children can echo their family's recitation of the Ten Commandments, the Creed, the Lord's Prayer. And for the littlest kids, leave out the meanings and just focus on teaching them to memorize. Memorize those three chief parts. Because in those three chief parts, Luther says at one place in the large catechism that in the Ten Commandments, the Creed, and the Lord's Prayer, we have the entirety of Christian doctrine. And then the sacraments that come later, in a sense, teach us how God enters us into that Christian life and keeps us in it. So the littlest one, for example, my two-and-a-half-year-old, now says the Lord's Prayer and much of the Apostles' Creed with us, not as if he can say them on his own, but he can echo what he is hearing. And he learns from that point. And that's exactly what the word catechism means, to echo back. And so as children then get older, the memorization of the catechism can include some of the important Bible verses and, and the words of institution for uh, baptism, absolution, the sacrament, of the altar. And then when they're old enough to read, they can work on memorizing the meanings. So that by the time they're in catechism classes, pastors should not have to use that time to teach memory. That's one thing about daily devotions that parents should always keep in mind that parents can have that memorization of the catechism done for their kids in the years before confirmation. And that means that pastors would be able to have this great year or two-year or maybe even three-year opportunity to sort of teach kids in a one-on-one setting almost, or a five-on-one or ten-on-one setting, some of the deep riches of the faith in a very patient and careful manner. So after confirmation, as you get sort of into adulthood, confirmed youth and adults, sometimes they're tempted to think that they've graduated from the small catechism. Then at least they should be pointed then to move on to the large catechism. And that's something that can be done on a self-study basis. And that self-study will also then have this great benefit of teaching them a deeper appreciation for the beauty of the small catechism that they thought that they had maybe outgrown. And the reality is that you never outgrow the small catechism but you rather grow into a deeper knowledge and almost instinctive confession of it. There are some great phrases that Luther uses in the large catechism where he talks about in his longer preface where he says things like, many see the catechism as a poor common teaching which they can read through once and immediately understand. But daily devotional life in the catechism helps you understand just how rich and deep the simple theology of Christ is. Here's another example of that, where Luther says, God himself is not ashamed to teach these things daily. He knows nothing better to teach. He always keeps teaching the same thing and does not take up anything new or different. So the Christian in confirmation time and in adulthood, young adulthood, can just get into that routine of going over the same thing over and over and over again. And the pastor can help them study the large catechism, emphasizing that deep consideration of how theology is applied in daily life, and that helps us then move on to some of the things that have to do with daily life and have to do with confronting and refuting bad doctrine, false doctrine, if you will, stinky doctrine, in order to keep with the pure, sound words of Christ's doctrine. We can move into the small called articles, for example, which have a very similar layout, I guess, if you will, in which Luther is confessing his own personal faith, but it sort of expounds upon the six chief parts and gets into some of the issues over which bad doctrine had caused division. And so that's also then a helpful introduction, not into just the question of what do I believe, but also into the question of how does the faith need to be defended from false doctrine? And that movement then can help us get further into the later doctrinal statements going into the Augsburg Confession, the formula of Concord. That ought not be read merely as a matter of history. The same confession is ours today, but the first time through may be one in which folks have to learn the historical content so as to have a better grasp of how essential right doctrine is in daily life. And remember that the Augsburg Confession and the Apology are mainly focused on Roman Catholic doctrine and refuting some of the errors there. The formula of Concord is mainly used in consideration against the flaws of Reformed and Protestant doctrine, and Lutherans can study these documents in their daily life in very manageable, I would encourage, very manageable sections. Don't try to bite off too much at one time. In your daily devotions, use a resource like the Treasury of Daily Prayer, where it often, in its writing section, will include a rather small portion out of the Solid Declaration or a manageable portion out of the Augsburg Confession. And that's enough just to dwell on for that day. Ask your pastor for help as you're reading through it, because some of the stuff is going to be a little bit more difficult and have a lot a lot more context as you get deep into the, deep into the book. There's enough in the Book of Concord for the Lutheran to study all his days. If even the small catechism shouldn't be put down until one can teach God, Luther says, then certainly the Book of Concord will never be exhausted, and I would encourage all Lutherans in the pews to urge their pastors to host a Book of Concord study. In my congregation, we started a men's study years ago, and that became pretty popular, and so we started a women's study. And to this day, we have maybe 20 men in the men's study and maybe 20 ladies in the women's study, and we do that study once every three weeks. And just in that manageable amount of once every three weeks, digesting the stuff a little bit with the help of your pastor, going through the Book of Concord, it took us maybe about seven years the first time to get all the way through it and just take it piece by piece. And guess what? By the time you get all the way through it, seven years later, you've forgotten the beginning. And so you just start over. And it's such a simple, wonderful, meditative cycle throughout all of daily life, all of our years rejoicing in the pure doctrine of Christ. So I hope that helps give a little sense for folks how it can be used in a very manageable way as part of their devotional life.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. And I commend all of that as well. That is great pastoral advice, great Christian advice for us. One other question I want to ask you on this before we take another break here. Do you have any encouragement for the listeners of the benefits of regular study of the Book of Concord that you've seen in your life as a pastor, but even more than that, just as a Christian, as a Christian father, that would be an encouragement maybe for the benefit for our listeners as well.
2: I think one of the joyous realizations when you study the Book of Concord daily and make use of it often is that you see that the doctrine of Christ, and that's what this is, it's not the doctrine of the Lutherans or the doctrine of a man named Martin Luther. This is the doctrine of Christ. I think one of the joyous things that you realize is that in the simplicity of the personal confessions, like the small catechism and the large catechism, and the simplicity of that, the simple law and gospel of God, the simple word of God, if you will, take root in daily life in such a way that they become very tangible in daily life. In the same way, though, it's maybe not as joyous. It helps us make sense of the need to refute bad doctrine, because we see how how that bad doctrine played out in history. And we see how that bad doctrine can harm and affect the Christian in daily life and the church throughout the world. And so it really, I think studying the Book of Concord takes doctrine off of the bookshelf and brings it right into daily life and helps us understand all of daily life is grounded in theology. And that theology and that doctrine is either, if you will, bad hygiene doctrine, sort of stinky doctrine, or it's good, healthy, pure. Christological doctrine that safeguards us unto eternal life.
1: All right. Thank you so much. That is Pastor Mark Bestel. He is pastor of Calvary Lutheran Church in Elgin, Illinois. Thank you. Great pleasure, as always, to have you on today.
2: My pleasure. Thanks a lot, Sean.
1: All right. We're going to take another break here. Please consider supporting Christ Confessing content by calling 1-800-730-2727, or you can text KFUO to the number 41444 and make your pledge to Sherathon 2021. When we come back, we're going to talk to a layman, Mr. Tim Matheny, about how regular study of the Lutheran confessions has been a blessing to his faith and life as one who sits in the pews on Sunday. So join us right after this break. You're listening to Concord Matters on KFUM. To this KFUO Radio Sherathon special episode of Concord Matters, as we're taking a look at how we can use the Lutheran confessions devotionally. And as we've been setting this up today, right away, even with a quote from our first Synodical President, CFW Walther, and also our current Synodical President, Matt Harrison, we've made the point that the Book of Concord should be in every Lutheran home, and it should be read and studied by every Lutheran Christian. And as we've said, a lot of people would say that that's fine for pastors or other church workers, but probably the most common question about the lady reading the confessions is, is it even something that is accessible and able to be understood by the lady, let alone what benefit do they serve in the life of regular Christians? And so I thought it was really important on this episode to go ahead and invite a layman on the show to talk about this with us. And so we're very pleased and honored to welcome Mr. Tim Matheny, he is a layman and member of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Englewood, Florida, and he receives word and sacrament ministry there from Pastor James Cress. Mr. Matheny, welcome to Concord Matters. Thank you, Pastor Sean. It's good to be with you. Yes, it is a great pleasure to have you on. And so as we go ahead in this segment to talk with you about how you've used the Lutheran confessions devotionally and the benefit that has been in your Christian faith in life— of course, as a layman, that means your Christian faith and life are not professionally within the church. So tell us just a little bit about what you do professionally and various roles and service you've had as a layman within the church.
3: So my profession is an engineer. I own a small engineering business, and in the church, I've done probably every role that you could imagine over the years. Sunday school teacher up through elder and so on and so forth.
1: Well, thank you for all that wonderful service to the church. I'm sure that it is a lot to balance with owning your own business and yet serving in so many ways in the church. And so, sincerely, thank you again, even for your time to come on the show today. As Pastor Harrison mentioned earlier, confessionally speaking, the church is pastors and hearers. And so, as pastors, we certainly recognize that when it comes to Our Lady, there are, of course, lots of demands on their time with work and family and lots of other responsibilities that are good and God-pleasing as you serve in various vocations that God is giving you. So we're always thankful for our laity that not only come to hear God's word and receive the sacraments in church, as is primary and chiefly important, but also to give of their time and service within the congregation and within our church body and the church at large to the glory of God, of course. And yet, I think that is, again, and even was in the quote from C.F.W. Walther, that one of the chief objections to laity making use of the Lutheran confessions as part of their devotional life is that after working all day, I just can't sit down and study in the evening. So, Mr. Matheny, as you have balanced your profession as an engineer and your responsibilities to family and service in the church, how have you used the confessions devotionally?
3: It was about, I was about 30 years old the first time that I read the confessions. And back then I read the Tappert edition. I read it cover to cover. What I remember is being impressed that I was able to understand what was written. I've been under the impression, I guess, that the textbooks, as I thought of the confession, uh, for my pastor's education would be complex, like the textbooks of my engineering education, and I now know that to be really wrong. The books in our confessions, particularly In my opinion, the Augsburg Confession, the Small and Large Catechisms, and the Small called Articles can be read and understood by any Christian.
1: Absolutely, and I think you made a good point in there, too, that echoes CFW Walther that many probably think of the Confessions as the textbooks of a pastor's education, and yet I often argue that, yes, they are textbooks, but I would argue they are the textbooks of a Christian's education. Of course, as we know from the Great Commission of Matthew 28, we make disciples of all nations, and I would say it isn't wrong to also say thus also of all vocations, by baptizing and teaching. So a Christian is to receive an education. He is to be taught the faith he has been baptized into, which is historically in part what we have done with the creeds, which I would probably include with your list of documents and our confessions that can be read and understood by any Christian. That's why we include them in our divine services week after week, and why Luther includes the creed as a chief part in his small catechism. And as Pastor Bestel brought out, we teach our children to echo these words and learn from them. And so, excellent point, we don't need to be put off by the confessions as over our head. They are accessible and can serve as your Christian textbook. So, Mr. Matheny, as you engage with reading the Lutheran confessions, you said you read it cover to cover. What was your favorite part or document in the Book of Concord.
3: What I remember really enjoying the large catechism, although I was kind of afraid as I got started thinking, you know, I mean, this is, this is Luther. And then I read right in the preface that, what Luther wrote. Some neglect the catechism because of great and high art, or, or basically assuming that it is complicated. That was me. And in the large catechism, this great Dr. Der Heiligen Schrift, Martin Luther, became a human pastor struggling against ignorance in both the clergy and the laity. His sometimes earthy language and regular use of superlatives really drew me in and helped me to focus on and understand the material.
1: Yeah, I often say that Luther is the most pastoral in the large catechism. It's a beautiful book. I commend that as well. In fact, Pastor Mark Bestel in the previous segment that as a good place to start, kind of like pastors would often encourage starting with the Gospel of John and Scripture. For reasons like you pointed out, it really is written in a way that is quite accessible to the layman. Well, so you said that was 30 years ago or so for you when you read the Book of Concord cover to cover. So how have you used the confessions lately?
3: Well, I ordered the first edition of the so-called reader's edition of the Book of Concord, which I think came out in about 2005 and also read it cover to cover. I've read it cover to cover probably twice. I strongly recommend this edition to any layperson. I've probably given away 20 of them over the years to people who promised me they would read them, and I really enjoy the extra material, the history, and the, there's some simple explanations on some of the parts. It's the edition I turn to now when I want to refresh my memory on one topic or another.
1: Yeah, it absolutely, as you said, has a lot of great information in there and is the edition we use on the show and recommend. Again, a reminder that thanks to a generous donor, we too want to give away several copies for people to read them. So call in 1-800-730-2727. So just a few more minutes here, but a few more questions I want to ask you to hopefully make the case for the importance of studying the Lutheran Confessions what benefits have you seen in your Christian faith and life as you've gone through and made use of the confessions
3: pastor? We believe, teach, and confess that God the Holy Spirit works through his word to create faith, yet Satan uses our minds to foster doubts, just as he did with Eve when he invited her to think more about well, what did God really say. The confessions are not scriptures, like you said earlier but a true exposition of it arranged in a topical manner. And I believe and teach that by knowing more about our faith, we guard against Satan's trickery. Knowledge doesn't save, but knowledge can be a fence against wandering. So the first and foremost benefit for me is keeping me in the one true faith. And second would be, in my first vocation as husband, guiding my family in that faith.
1: Absolutely, and as a testament to the fruit that can bear in that all-important vocation we have in guiding our family in the faith, we've enjoyed having one of your children, your son, Pastor Adam Matheny, here several times on Concord Matters. He's a faithful pastor that serves in Mankato, Minnesota. And also your daughter, Erin, is a deaconess and is married to a wonderful pastor, Micah Bauer, and we've been able to have him on here on Concord Matters, too, and what a wonderful pastor's wife and mother Erin is. And really, I'm blessed to know your other two daughters also, and what wonderful Christian families all your children have. And I know that's a great joy to you and your wife, Kay, as I've gotten to know you, and that's what we all want as Christians, right? So yeah, I would definitely say those are two great benefits, maybe the most important. But then also you talked about you've served several roles within the congregations that you've been in. I think you say you've been in just about every role there is. So what are the benefits that you've seen in your service in the church?
3: I think my reading of the Confessions and other books also probably has helped most in directly in two different roles, elder and teacher. As an elder, I think I've been better able to support my pastors and help them in their role because as a more educated elder. There's been many times, you know, when my pastor would say something and I could add my voice in support of what my pastor was saying and say, yeah, guys, that's what we believe. Unfortunately, perhaps there's also been some times when I've been puzzled and had to ask my pastor for a more full explanation. Pastors are human, and in my experience, true pastors appreciate questions or even a constructive critique because they badly want to teach and apply God's Word clearly, correctly, and appropriately. As a teacher, I guess I'm most afraid of not teaching correctly or rightly the way my pastor would, you know, because I feel like when I'm helping him by teaching, I need to do as as well as he would do to the best of my ability. I believe that anyone that accepts a teaching role, even if you're just in Sunday school teaching young children, and I probably shouldn't have said just, you must be held to a higher standard of knowledge and be able to rightly confess our faith. And that ability to rightly confess comes with knowledge. I've sought to be, you know, for my pastor, a workman prepared, just able to help him however he wants to be helped.
1: Yeah, and that goes really well with what we heard from President Harrison in an earlier segment as well, of the benefit that our laity, knowing the confessions, has within the congregational life and within the broader church. And I like that phrase you had in there, a more educated elder. Amen to that. Our elders are spiritual leaders according to scripture. They're not just part of the church council concerned with the business side, if you will, of the congregation. No, they're spiritual leaders of the congregation with the pastor. And how essential it is for our congregations and how wonderful it is when our elders are spiritual men and educated in the faith. And also what you said in teaching, especially young children, is the chief and most important work in much more than Sunday school teaching our own children, as you also brought out and highlighted as well. It's how the faith is passed on. We certainly would love for all of our Christian parents to be more educated parents as well. How great would that be for the church in keeping our children in the church and the faith? Absolutely. A hearty amen to everything you said there. Well, with just about a minute left here, what encouragement do you have for your fellow lady to read the confessions that they may be a benefit for them?
3: Well, don't be afraid, as I was when I first started. Just do it. Just order the Reader's Edition and get started. And I guess a little advice, I would say, set a reasonable goal to read a little bit at a time, because you will have to take some time to think about what you've read to really learn it. And I'd say let your pastor know what you're doing. I'm sure he'll encourage you, And probably also hold you accountable so that when life gets in the way and you stop your devotions, that you'll start up again. And, of course, he can answer any questions you might have. And, you know, getting all the way through will be a blessing to you. But if you only get halfway through, you'll still be blessed. Even if you just read a few things, like the Augsburg Confession and the March Catechism, that will bless you. But not... Ordering a copy and not opening it will not bless you.
1: That is well said, and that is Mr. Tim Matheny again. He is a layman and member of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Englewood, Florida. Thank you. It's been a great pleasure and honor to have you on and sharing your encouragement for laity reading and benefiting from the devotional study of the Lutheran Confessions today. And thank you for all your service in the congregation and to the church at large as a well-educated and confessional layman.
3: Well, and thank you, Pastor Sean, for what you do for the church. It really has been fun. Thanks for inviting me.
1: Well, that is all the time we have today for this special share episode, encouraging the devotional use of the Lutheran Confessions. I hope this episode has been of some benefit to you. And please join us live streaming every Saturday at 10 a.m. Central or archive for on-demand listening anytime at kfo.org or wherever you get your podcasts and we'd be honored to have you join us for your devotional study with our Christ-Confessing Concordians here on Concord Matters. Thank you to my guests today, the Reverend President Matt Harrison, Pastor Mark Bestel, and Mr. Tim Matheny. Thank you to our generous donors, all of our listeners, and everyone supporting the Christ-Confessing content of KFUO Radio. Thanks for stopping by today, and until next time, keep confessing, church.